0: Hello and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I am Aaron Stump, and we are talking about the Curry Howard isomorphism. This is chapter three of the podcast. And last time we talked about the Curry-Howard isomorphism for induction and how induction, the form mathematical induction that we're used to using for proving properties in discrete math and things like this, and certainly more generally in mathematics, and also quite a bit in verification of programs particularly pure functional programs, well, this mathematical induction principle under the Curry hard isomorphism is really just terminating recursion. And so we talked about that last time. It's, it's a really um, important and exciting idea to connect recursion and induction as the career-hard isomorphism does. Now, I kind of want to take a little bit of a step back today uh, and talk about... The curry Hard isomorphism. We've talked about um, how programs and proofs are connected. Constructive proofs and programs are identified under the curry Hard isomorphism. But I want to talk about uh, formulas and types because just as you have a proof of some formula and you have some program of some type, at least under a static typing discipline, so you know if the proofs and programs are connected. Well, the formulas and types are connected too. And so, for the basic forms of type that you would find in uh, simply type lambda calculus, let's say, uh, which we didn't really talk about yet so far in much detail, but it's kind of one of the bases, you could say, for functional programming, uh, it's statically typed functional programming. But on the logical side, if you just think about propositional logic, we have implication, you know, if P, then Q. We have conjunction, P and Q. We have disjunction, P or Q. We uh, might have falsity or negation, usually in constructive logic, actually in classical logic too. Negation is very often defined, you know, if you want to say not P, you say P implies false. That's the definition. And so then you don't really need to add a separate logical connective for negation, you just have to have falsity. Anyhow, these connectives of propositional logic, we can ask under the curry hard isomorphism what types they are. And so let's start with implication. So P implies Q, or if P, then Q. So what type is that? Well, under the curry hard isomorphism, that type is the function space. The f- type of functions from P to Q. And you can sort of think about this this way, that if I have a proof that P implies Q, if I've got a constructive proof, then this proof has some way of turning evidence for P into evidence for Q, or a proof of P into a proof of Q. It's a program. It's a constructive proof. It has to have some concrete method for transforming proofs of P into proofs of Q somehow. And that's a function. And so the, under the curry isomorphism, implication is just a function space, the space of P arrow Q, functions from P to Q. <clears throat> Indeed, it's also you know resembling a morphism, a morphism from P to Q. That's another part of the Curry-Howard isomorphism. I've sometimes heard it called the Curry-Howard-Lambeck isomorphism. That includes category theory in there as well. And I must confess, I know I have a less strong grasp of that part of the Curry-Howard isomorphism than I do of just the basic part of connecting programs and proofs types and formulas. anyway, so uh, implications are function spaces so a proof of an implication is a function that takes proofs of P to proofs of Q. What about some of these other f- uh, basic formulas of propositional logic what about conjunction? Well a conjunction under the Korea isomorphism is a pair type. So if I've managed to prove P and Q, the conjunction of P and Q, P and Q, under the, in a constructive proof, I've got a proof of P and I also have a proof of Q. And so I've got a pair of two proofs, one proof of P and one proof of Q. How about disjunction? That turns into a, a disjoint sum, a disjoint union or a sum type as they call it in haskell this is the either type you know either a b is the type of things that are well as in, as it's trying to convey to us intuitively with the name either an a or a b and the value that has this type tells you which side of the this disjunction you're in you know so you could have something of type either unit unit or in other words true or true it seems sort of silly to have something of type true or true unit either unit unit but the some type tells you is it the left disjunct that I've got inhabited or is it the right disjunct that I have inhabited? Uh, anyhow so it's but it's the type for things that are either an a or a B and the thing itself tells you which one of those choices it is. So that's some type and what about falsity? that corresponds to an empty type type that doesn't have any inhabitants. Because under the Curry-Howard isomorphism, if something, if a type is inhabited, meaning there is some expression that has that type, then that corresponds to having the formula be provable. Because having a program of a particular type, under this isomorphism, corresponds to having a proof of a particular, of, that, of the formula that corresponds to that type. So uh, if you want to have something that doesn't have any proofs, false isn't provable, in a sound logic, then you have an empty type. So those are the propositional connectives and how they correspond to uh, types under the Curry-Howard isomorphism. Now that's just for propositional logic and we can try to extend this thing to other forms of logic, like first order logic and higher order logic and this kind of thing. Um, And that's an interesting thing to think about as well. So for first order logic we have quantifiers for all x and there exists an x. And so under the creator isomorphism, this is gonna correspond, you know, so now we want to say something like, imagine you have a formula that says for all x, p of x implies q of x. Well, formulas are types under the creator isomorphism. Now here we have predicates, right? So P is a predicate on you know, whatever type X has. So let's say we're, if you're in pure first-order logic, then you don't have types for these individual variables like when you say for all X or there exists X, there's just some single background type that's the domain of the entire mathematical universe. That's, you know, pretty crude and, and we like to have logics that are a little more refined than that and give you ways to carve up that mathematical universe into different sorts or types, and it gets confusing here, right, but I mean, can we have typed logics, you know, and so we can ask what do they correspond to under the career isomorphism? Well, they're going to be uh, the types, the formulas of such type logics are going to correspond to types, and what are the types of those type logics going to correspond to? Probably more types. <laughs> um, so, but for something like a universal quantifier, um, for all x, p of x implies q of x, let's say. Well, p and q as predicates are now going to turn into some kind of type level operations on the programming side. So they are probably some kind of index type. Actually, it's funny, I don't really think that universal and existential quantifiers, as you get them in first order logic, don't make so much of an appearance in the Curie Isomorphism uh, as you might. Suppose they would, because first-order logic is such a basic next step of logic, and the propositional connectives really do make a big appearance. Um, but it's and in, you know we can ask about higher-order logic. So in higher-order logic, we can have predicates on predicates, and that's that's totally sensible to the curry isomorphism. That's going to correspond to having type-level functions on types. Um, so you can have. If you've got a type X and you could have another type P of X, um, that makes sense. And that's the same, that would correspond to having some kind of higher order predicate on the logical side. But the last little thing I want to mention, just to sort of conclude this segment and, and pave the way, probably, I suppose, for the next one, is there is this intriguing possibility that um, I think is usually attributed to Martin Luft, Per Martin Luft, the great Swedish. Type theorist and philosopher, and uh, also to Nicholas de Brown, who was an early researcher way ahead of his time in formalized proofs, like computer check proofs, as we were talking about. He had this whole f- project called Automath to f- formalize mathematics in a computer checkable way. Anyhow, there's you know we have all these forms on the logical side, but but there are these guys introduced or had this idea that you know we could have so here we have predicates on other predicates that's like higher order logic we could have predicates on some domain of individuals that's like first order logic what if we had predicates on proofs so what if we had a logic which could make statements about its own proofs this sounds sort of metamathematical and Probably there was some such motivation as part of the development. I don't, I don't fully know the history, but um, that sounds like an intriguing idea, and that sounds very fancy on the logical side. Whoa, logics that can have, you know, predicates on their own proofs. Goodness, that sounds reflective or something. Maybe it's not consistent. I mean, goodness, who knows? But on the pro- programming side, if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense. It's what it's what is called dependent typing in on the programming language side, and you know, that's what I want to talk about maybe in the next episode. But what I wanted to say about dependent typing now is that this is sort of, first of all, it's a, you know, it's a kind of exotic logical feature. But on the programming side, it makes sense because it's what's going to let us, you know, so I want to be able to say, um, write a function that takes in x and a proof of some property of x and return something else, um, so the having since proofs and programs are cor- in correspondence with each other. If I want to make a statement about a program, then on the logical side, that you know, if I want to have a, a type indexed by a program on the programming side, on the logical side, that's like having a predicate on a proof. That's that's dependent typing. You know, that's this kind of a weird feature where you could have a logic that can make statements about its own proofs. On the programming side, you can have a programming language that can make statements by way of its type system about its own programs. That's great. That's That would be awesome. That's really what we would love to have. Because And hey, guess what? We do have it. This is so amazing. We actually have languages that let you do this. And it's what lets you do formal methods based on constructive type theory, because you can prove properties about the programs that are written in that very proof language itself. Because the proof language, the program language are one and the same. You can make statements, you can write a proof that makes a statement about a term that is could be thought of as another proof. I mean, intuitively, a lot of times when we're doing this kind of work, some of the program expressions we're writing, we're probably thinking of more as proofs, and some of them we're thinking of more as programs that aren't really giving us evidence for some fact I mean, if you have some, a term of type Nat, you have evidence for Nat being inhabited, but that's not very interesting. Nat doesn't really make any interesting logical statement. Um, but you could have a type less than, and you could have you know less than X Y where X and Y are Nats, and now you've got a type that's making a statement about program expression in one of the same language. Anyway, so I want to talk probably next time more about dependent typing, and thank you for listening.